Hello, and welcome to today's episode of On The Mend. I'm Matt Willis, and in this series, I'm going to be taking a look into the world of mental health, addiction, and recovery, and how people get through hard times. My guest today is the journalist, author, and columnist, Bryony Gordon. Bryony is an absolute champion of mental health awareness. She does this for a weekly comment in The Telegraph, through her books and her very own podcast. In 2016, she founded something called Mental Health Mates. It's a peer support group to encourage people who feel alone to connect with others and talk about their mental health, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, what she's done here is incredible. Bryony has had her own struggles with mental health and addiction, and in this episode, she opens up about hitting rock bottom and how mental health mates came about. She also talks about what she does on a daily basis to stay clean and sober. It's a goodie. I think she's rad. You're going to love her. At the moment, Brian is laughing at my at my notes. I'm just really impressed as a journalist by trade, as I am. Yeah. Because I go in to do interviews and I sort of, I, but I don't ever, I'm really, you're, you're very professional. You could go and work in a newspaper if you wanted. Can I really? Can you tell my school teachers that, please? I will, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. If you're listening, that's what Brian <laughs> just said. Um, how are you today? I'm great. I've just heard I am you got re- back from... Body camp. Yes. I'm yeah. so, oh, if you told me like eight years ago that body camp was the kind of thing that I'd choose to do, yeah, I would have been like, "Fuck off!" So can I swear? Uh, you can say whatever the fuck. Yeah. You want. So I mean, I guess the reason like I'm here is I well, when I first went to body camp in 2016, I was like still in active addiction, and but it showed me like this whole other way of how I yeah. can live my life, and so now I like to go every year. It sounds amazing. very indulgent, and I don't care. Who gives a fuck? Do what you want, babe. Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing, body cam. Yeah. Like a week of exercise, but also just positivity. Com- completely. I mean, my, my wife went, and she was like, you've got to go to this place. Like, she came back, like, literally a different person. Mm. And I was so shocked by her kind of reaction to it. And I was like, what is this place? And when she told me about it, I was like, nah, not for me. Waited about... Th- Four months. Suddenly, she booked me a week on my own. <laughs> That's and you have I, to go on your own. And I went to Ibiza on my own <laughs> for a week, and I was so blown away by what happened there because I, I was kind of into kind of like cool shit like mindfulness and stuff like mm. that like I meditated and stuff like that but I just followed a car map every day yeah and um and that's great by the way don't get me wrong that's fantastic and I was really proud of myself we must that. put all those caveats <laughs> yeah. in yeah, Absolutely. yeah that's fantastic uh, but, if you even say the word meditation in my book you're a fucking legend absolutely but I was doing those kind of things and kind of tiptoeing around it but um and uh, but exercise for me was a punishment mm. I used it as in such a negative way like I had a real problem with it like I never really when I got sober, I looked terrible and just felt like shit still. And I was like, what's going on? You know, like I've taken drinking drugs out and I still mm. feel like shit and look, yeah. like, look terrible. I thought I'd be fucking looking like Ryan Reynolds by now and I'm not, you know. And um, oh, maybe you need to what's that about? stop eating KFC and fucking drinking <laughs> Lucasade, you know, like which is what I thought was healthy, you know. But um, uh, to be honest, listen, everything is in context. Like that was you got to go easy on yourself because that probably was healthy compared to how you used to live your abs- life. Abs- absolutely, you're completely right. But um, but then I so I started to use I started to get into exercise and um, but I used it in such a negative way, mm-hmm. like I punished myself in there, and I I'd, I'd go on these strict regimes where I'd eat at the bleep of a watch in like from Tupperware containers, and I'd train cardio at five a.m. and weights at four p.m. You know, and I'd, I became like I was living this kind of bodybuilder life without 
anything to show for it. It was just a really damaging way to look at it. And, um, and so I, I, I went there and I found this new kind of joy yeah. that I'd never experienced with just like with everything there, with, with, especially with exercise, that it could be fun. Yeah, and they make you do the exercise in fancy dress. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm a kind of larger lady and I thought, oh, no, exercise isn't for me. And I was so wrong. Yeah. And since going to the body camp for the first time, I've run two marathons. I've done a triathlon. I've oh, my crazy God. Shit, like run 10 10Ks in 10 days last year for chat, you know, and it's com it completely changed my attitude to exercise. Yeah. Well, that was just the beginning, you know. Absolutely. And so something about going away with 17 strangers as well, mm. where... I don't know about you, but I I spend so long as like Bryony the mom or, you know, Bryony in my professional life. Yeah. And I kind of forget who I am underneath all those kind of masks. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's good to remember because when you're sat down with 17 strangers or you're like doing a relay race wearing a sombrero hat, yeah. they don't give a shit, do you know what I mean, who you are. Exactly. You're just there and you remember yeah. the joy. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I feel, uh, today I'm feeling fucking brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Were you in Ibiza doing it? Or no, it's in, in Mallorca now. You in Mallorca, yeah. 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 It was just love and joy, love amazing. and joy. Amazing. And I'm um, trying to keep that vibe going. Completely. I remember when I went to Ibiza, I did this, um, um, Sapphire came over and did the breathwork classes. Did you do that? Um, we did something similar. Yeah. And like it was, um, it was one of those moments of my life that changed me. And I was like, I couldn't quite believe it had happened. You know, because when um, cause me and them were sitting down and we'd just done yoga, you know, I was pretty chilled out. I was kind of lying in savasana, mm -hmm. you know, and like, I was like, who am I? Yeah. You know, and Emma saw on the board, it was breath work. And she kind of whispered in my ear, she went, I've done this before. It's not ready for me. I'm going to go and sit by the pool. I was like, okay, babe. And I thought breath work would be nice, like chill out for, for an hour, maybe have a nap. And then breath work happened and it was this deep like breathing to music and it just it kept going like this breath kept on going and you're kind of doing this like kind of almost hyperventilating yeah. breath and um and it was so intense but nothing was really happening to me and then this like I don't know how to describe her like this angelic fairy that Sapphire is came over and come put her hand on my head and put my hand on my chest and just went what if you went all the way and I went I thought in my head I was like I thought I was going all the way I'm obviously not doing it right you know mm. so I just went right okay I'm here I'm going to give it everything I've got and something happened like my body like almost seized up and um and like I had these waves of kind of emotions coming over me and I started to cry and I couldn't hold it in and there was this voice in my in my ear like I talk about this in the documentary and it's um and it wasn't mine, but I couldn't tell whose voice it was. It sounds a bit bit hippie, by the way. Which is but, fine. Um, but it just kept saying, it's not your fault. You know, like Robin Williams in, it, it, like, it was like that kind of in my, and it wouldn't stop saying it. And I just couldn't stop crying. I was not ready to hear it in a way. Like mm. I was like, not now, not now. <laughs> I can't fucking come to this realisation when I'm sat here and, you know, in, in wherever I am, you know, it's not for now. And I fought it as much as I could, but I couldn't stop. Mm. And Emma was, I didn't know this, but she was stood at the side of the room trying to get Kate, who runs body camp, to stop me. Kind of going, he's rubbing it really bad. Kate was like, leave him, leave him, leave him. And um, I just had this unbelievable life-transforming moment. And it stuck with me. You know, it kind of, in a way, that kind of spurred me on to kind of go, right, what is that? Mm. You know, what am I still holding on to? Mm. What have I not? 
worked on, mm. you know. And I have that place to, I mean, I feel like we're going on a B ad for body camp, which I'm, which I'm completely <laughs> happy with because I love that place, you know. But it's, um, it was a beautiful experience and, and I, I can't really explain how important it was for me. Mm. You know, I keep asking myself that question. You know, since then, I'm kind of like, I'm trying to kind of find out a bit more about that. Yeah. You know, so you said you were in active addiction when you went the first time. Yeah. How did you find that? It was just hearing that whole story from you is like really, it's it's so interesting, isn't it? When yeah. you're allowed to go, when you like feel able to go deep. And yeah. again, it's that thing of like, I feel like I have all these qualifiers of, oh, I was always really cynical about this kind of stuff and yeah, it wasn't yeah. for me. But it is amazing what happens when you open your mind up to all of it and, the, and the breath work and the the letting stuff go and, you know, yeah. allowing tears to come when they come. Um, mm. When I first went, I, yeah, it was 2016. So I was at the, I was, I didn't know it at the time, but I was, I was just under a, like a year off what I hoped to be my final, like, yeah. date for my, a yeah. drink or a drug. But it was, I really do, you know, like I, I think lots of things happen in your life, mm. you know, that lead you. I think I, I hear, and I don't know about you, but when you're publicly sober, people come to you and they're like what was the moment what was the moment what yeah. was the moment when you decided to get sober like as if we woke up one morning and went oh my god this there doesn't work for anyone there was a beam of light that yeah, shone on you yeah. and, and you yeah. know, took the power away today That's I'm just going to get sober yeah. no it, it has to happen and it builds over years you yeah. know and it was but that was one of the moments yeah. in the kind of shifting tectonic plates yeah and it was going to body camp and realising there was this other because I didn't think I could exercise I was a larger you know, size 18, you know, I didn't really run. I, you know, I didn't really do anything. And, um, and I, and I went and it was like, oh, I can do stuff. And I can, look, there's this other way of living where people really believe in me and enjoy me. They enjoy my company. Yeah. I had got into this state where I was like, I'm just a drag. I'm just, I was just, a. I felt like I was just a walking blob of like guilt yeah. and shame, you know? Yeah. And it was like, I realised that isn't who I am. That yeah. isn't who I am and that isn't what I am. And it was interesting because, yeah, then I, I sort of ran my first marathon six months later and it was like I was doing all these things that I knew and then, yeah, and then I, I got sober in August tw 2017, so just under a year after I'd first gone to body camp. Wow. But I, I, did, I, I was like, oh, my God, when they said to me, you can't drink for a week, you know, there's no alcohol, I was yeah. like... Come on. Are you shitting me? Yeah, yeah. You know, but it was... You know, it was fine, but it, it's so funny now that kind of stuff doesn't even occur to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's it's funny because I, I don't think about drinking really ever. Like occasionally I'll, I'll see, like I'll go past a pub and it'll mm. be nice out and I'll see that kind of um, condensation on the outside of the yeah, yeah, glass yeah, yeah. against yeah. me. You know, I'm like, oh, that'd be nice. But I'm very quick to wind the tape forward of what that actually yeah, means. Yeah, what would what would not be nice is me in a crack den. Absolutely. Twelve hours later with no clothes on, you know, doing things that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That are just going to feed into a life full of fucking shame and shame, bullshit. shame and guilt, shame and guilt. Com yeah, completely. You know, so I'm so I'm very good with that. Drugs still get me. Really. Like I can't be around it. I I, I can't. I mean, I don't find myself in those positions anymore. But like occasionally, I mean, we work in an industry where it's, you know, people are on it, do it on it, you know. So, um, yeah. so, um, so I do find myself. I still go into toilets, and 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 when I go into the cubicle, I wipe the top of the really surface in front of me to see if anything's on my hand. It's just a fucking weird thing that I do, you know. Not that I'm I'm hoping there's some on my hand that I can lick, but you know, it's just. But I a, used to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like for years and years and years, I'm like, right, who's fucking, who's been in there before? Right, who can I fucking talk to? All those kind of things. What you know, can so, I, yeah. God, yeah. I forgot. Do you know, you totally just brought that back to me. Yeah, I mean, I still do it. I still walk into cubicles now, wipe the fucking thing. You know, it's, it's crazy. So you say it was a kind of a cumulative thing, kind of getting sober. That's very similar to me. Mm. You know, I'm, I, I do think we have these weird things in recovery where we kind of expect this kind of like, this bolt of lightning to happen and kind of everything to be a pink cloud from there on. And for me, that wasn't the case. You know, like um, I had so many times where, like, you hear the word rock bottom a yeah. lot, and I'm like, I had a fucking lot of them, you <laughs> yeah. know. And um, and like, I think people around me were going, surely that's surely this is surely it. that's his one, yeah. you know. But no, I got a couple more in me, you know, um, which scares me because I hear people saying that now about people that I'll I'll know, or they just haven't hit their rock bottom yet. I'm like. But people fucking die at rock bottoms all the time. I mean, that is the ultimate rock bottom, isn't it? Absolutely. So it's like, how do you kind of, um, how do you get them before that happens, you know? I find it so interesting because I was was thinking about this as well. And, you know, everything takes as long as it takes. Yeah. And as like an addict in recovery, I want everything to happen now. Do you know what I mean? Now, now, now. And... um, I uh, I was thinking about this. I think I've probably been depressed for the last two. I've been in a depression for like the last two years, and you know I hadn't really noticed it, but it was it was. It, I definitely can see now. I I had, mm. and I just didn't know what was. I was like, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? I'm like, you know, I was like, I'm sober. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not. I'm not drinking. I'm not like. Why is this happening to me? And. I can see now why it was happening. I can yeah. see that all of those, like I like tectonic plates, you know, yeah. with an earthquake, they shift. They have to, yeah. they're shifting, they're shifting, they're shifting. And then suddenly there's something that happens and they the, the earthquake happens. Yeah. And that's your yeah. breakthrough or that's your moment. Mm. And I feel like right now with me, I'm having like another earthquake oh, is happening. That's a good one. Yeah, a good yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that it was the same with getting sober. It was like, I can't like it's like you said like the, my last my last drug my last drink. Mm. I mean it was it was pretty seedy and it was pretty you know it wasn't what a thirty seven year old mother of a four year old which is where I was yeah. then should have been doing. Mm. But it wasn't any worse than some of the other things that had happened to me yeah. in my like long and not very illustrious <laughs> drinking career. Yeah. Um, and and I remember just like sitting on the side of my bed having come home from a night out. At like 11 in the morning, 10.30 in the morning, I'd just gone AWOL again, you know. Yeah. And I remember thinking, if I don't, if I don't do something about this, I'm going to die. Yeah. I'm going to die either by choosing to kill myself. Yeah. Or I'm going to die by choking my own vomit or falling down some stairs or, you know, something stupid. Yeah. Or worst of all, almost, I'm going to die by continuing to live in this fucking Groundhog Day existence. Absolutely. Of like... Yeah. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. I, I I didn't want to carry on drinking, but I didn't know how to stop. Yeah. You know, but it was that moment of like surrender. Like, yes, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm an addict. This is just, this is part of, this is me. What what do I do now? Someone help yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Had, had, had people told you that before? Had you heard those words with your name attached before? A couple of times I had heard it. I remember in my like late 20s, I remember someone at work saying to me that someone had said to them, do you think Bryony's an alcoholic? Yeah. And I was like, how fucking dare they? Yeah, yeah. 
I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. Look at me. I've got a job. You know, I bear yeah. in mind, I, I successful journalist mm. at the Telegraph. You know, I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. I don't I don't drink every day. Yeah. I drink every other day. You know, I don't drink during the day. Yeah. It's really mad because I'm thinking about drinking all day, but whatever. Absolutely. You know, I have these rules, so I can't be an alcoholic. Yeah. You know? But I remember that that person saying that and being really offended. Mm. And I think I very quickly became like definitely people said to me, like my husband, when I first met him, definitely there were a couple of times where he tried to say to me, Bryony, you're drinking and drugging is you can't handle your drink. And I was like, yeah. What how dare you say I yeah. can't handle my drink? I'm like, I I am like the fucking best drinker yeah, exactly. in all of South London. Exactly. Like if it was a profession, yeah, I'd be fucking. I'm like, how yeah. dare you? But he was right. And but I kind of laughed it all off. And I again, it's like you can't deal with it. You can't mm. deal with it. I remember when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter um, back in 2012. I remember uh, thinking, oh, this will, you know, this will be the thing that I, I just didn't even occur to me yeah. that afterwards I would pick up exactly where I left off. That yeah. I would like I just thought, oh, my party girl days are over now. Yeah. And I remember about two weeks after my daughter was born, being at the pub, getting blackout drunk. And I remember waking up and then six weeks later, taking Coke again. Mm. And I remember it was like, I was so shocked. I was, I just couldn't believe that this beautiful little, just this incredible thing, my baby, yeah. hadn't changed me like yeah. what's wrong with me i Absolutely. must be the worst person in the world because yeah. here is this beautiful daughter i have a flat in clapham i have a bugaboo i have a lovely husband mm. you know i've got yeah. everything i ever wanted yeah and yet still yeah and i couldn't deal with it and i you know i had to sort of i had to bury it like mm. under all sorts of sort of justification and denial and stuff and yeah Oh, I deserve to have a drink because a happy mum, a happy baby, you know, yeah. and I don't drink until my daughter is asleep and all of that stuff. And I need to remember who I was, you know, like. Exactly. I, I'm still me. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I wasn't me at exactly. all. I yeah. now see. Yeah. And um, I was very good at taking the shit things that happened when I was drinking or drugging and turning them into very funny stories and entertaining people with them. Yeah. And like making people laugh. I mean, well, that was part of your your job as well, right? Yeah. Your, your telegraph thing was Yeah, was they, I had that, like right? a girl about town column. Yeah. And people would be like, oh, Bryony, <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. believe you did that. Well, there's yeah, Bryony yeah. again. And it was yeah. like, I didn't know where... Like my, you know, it was like this persona that I had to create around me yeah. to kind of justify, you know, the way I drank. So I also think, and I don't know if this resonates with you, but you surround yourself with people who drink and Absolutely. use in a similar yeah. way. Yeah. I think I was always aware that like I took it that little bit further than everyone else. Yeah. I remember interviewing Niall Rogers, amazing guy. He's very publicly sober. Yeah. And he 
said he always had it in his mind that he was okay as long as like Keith Richards was still drinking because Keith Richards, <laughs> he always had to have like someone who was worse than him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? And yeah, he was yeah. like, then I'm not so bad. And Keith Richards was always his guy. And then yeah. he had this like night out that ended in him nearly dying. And then he was sent on a plane to rehab and he opened a magazine and there was a story about Keith Richards going to rehab and he was like, fuck me. Fuck you now. There we go. Or being yeah. sober or something. You yeah. Know? And then it turned out Keith Richards was not sober. But anyway, uh, but yeah. it didn't matter. It got him into it. Got into him it. There. But you know, like yeah. I was that I was everyone else. I, I, I was everyone else's Keith Richards kind of right. thing. <laughs> and I sort of like made that into my my thing. Yeah. Sort of middle class posh girl, Keith Richards. Absolutely. That version. It works. It works. You know, it's it's so funny what you said that we kind of surround ourselves with people that I, I did very similar things, you know. I kind of um, I, I I don't speak to any of those people really anymore, you know. Like well, a few of them, a few of them, a few of them are sober as well. But um, there was there was times where, when I got sober, I had to change everything, you know. I had to change who I hung around with. It dawned on me actually being sober, I didn't want to hang out with those mm. people. Like all we had in common was drugs. Yeah. All all we had in common was the fact that we could use without being judged. Yeah, you know, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. and and the way we fucking wanted to together. Yeah, you know, and um, and you would never want to go to these places sober in your fucking life. You know, like, I mean, I can't think of anything worse than going to some fucking crack house in fucking Camden. You know, and, yeah, well, and I was it, just thinking coming here, yeah. to King's Cross. I passed Absol a few places absolutely. where I thought, <laughs> absolutely. You know, whenever I whenever I walk past that bridge, like, we used to go to a nightclub called Bagley's, and it used to be over yeah. there. That was where everything kind of started for me. And it was um, and I walk here. We were we're in King's Cross recording, and um, and whenever I walk past there, it just reminds me of dropping pills in that fucking garage and waiting in the queue to come up it's such a funny little thing what what i love about you is how open and honest you have been because you really inspired me to be a bit more open and honest because when i was in active addiction i kind of i was always really scared of journalists for a start because i had this thing in the sun called beer mat you know they'd always be writing right, yeah. about me kind of falling out of clubs and things how did so, that feel i didn't really care at the time you know because and also it kind of allowed me to live up to it yeah. in a way because it was similar all kind of thing. like it was all kind of very similar you know I was like right great they and at the time I was fucking blown away that I was in these places and yeah. doing these things so I was like and people liked me being there and invited me to things until that stopped and then I was a liability and no one fucking invited me to anything but at the time I was like here we go they seem to like this guy you know and it's good because I don't feel quite so filled with self-hatred and insecure and weird when I'm fucked up so that works for me, you mm -hmm. know. So I didn't really think about it that much until afterwards, really. But at that time, it was when I when I did get sober and it was kind of out there and people would ask me about it, I'd say something, it would turn into some big scandalous headline, and I and I kind of learned. I was like, all right, whenever I do that, it turns into something that I didn't want it to be, you know, so I'm not gonna do that anymore. So I didn't talk about it for ages. And then when I finally felt kind of comfortable and secure enough in myself to kind of speak openly. I've only had incredible positives from it. You know, I mean, some awful things as well, like on social media where you can't help somebody and mm. don't know what to say. But um, but mostly it's been an incredible reaction and, and a kind of affirming to me that this is the way I should be. You know, and plus I, I love it. I love talking about it because I'm I'm really passionate about yeah. everything in this world and I find like I can talk about it forever. Did you decide or did, was it just an extension of talking about the debauchery times 
to talking about them in a different kind of way. So since I was a little girl, I have suffered from obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. To like a, quite a crippling extent. And um, with OCD, people are like, oh, I'm a bit OCD. Yeah, they? yeah. But it's like... It's, it's, They're not. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's... Uh, I always describe it as like your brain refusing to acknowledge what your eye can see so that your yeah. hands are clean or the the... Um, the oven's off or that, you know, that the bump in the road is a speed bumper, not a child, you know. And yeah. I had this type of OCD called Pure O, which is about, which is, it's, it's, it's sort of internal. Yeah. So it's attached to intrusive thoughts. Right. Most people have, intru we all have intrusive thoughts. Like yeah. what if I threw the baby off on the floor or, yeah, yeah. I mean? but yeah. most of us go, oh, of course I'm not going to do that. Silly brain. Yeah. But someone with pure O becomes so distressed by the thoughts that they yeah. ruminate on them to check they are not the thoughts. That sounds horrible. Yeah. And, and I think that that was like why I started drinking. You know, I, I the two are absolutely kind of mm. connected because that started when I was 12. I thought there was a big sort of like, a campaign, a uh, public health campaign about AIDS, and that mm. was terrifying. You know, and I had this. I was convinced that I had AIDS, yeah. or I was gonna, I was gonna give someone else AIDS and my family. And I had to sleep with my toothbrush under my pillow because I was like, I didn't want to infect anyone. I couldn't leave the house. Wow. And so that's how the OCD started. I didn't know that was, I didn't know it was OCD. And of course, thank God. You know, and you, you were you were twelve. I was twelve. Yeah. So no one knew really much about that anyway. No. Yeah. yeah. And I sort of washed my hands until they bled. I now know that in all of, all over the country, all over the world at the time, there were loads of kids who you know people with those with yeah. the same kind of OCD. Yeah. You know, terrified of dying. Mm. But I didn't know that at the time. And then as I you know as I went through my childhood it yeah it developed and it changed and it was what if I and I had a little brother who was 12 years younger than me so we was born about the same time that the OCD happened and I was terrified that I was going to hurt him and blank it out in horror or yeah. do something awful and it was it was really torturous and so when I discovered alcohol I was like well here we go and yeah. then when I discovered cocaine oh which was like Oh, I can now. I can carry on drinking without blacking out. Do you know what I mean? This is the perfect combination. Hello, fucking Luya. Why I mean, isn't this? Yeah. Why like, isn't this prescribed? Prescribed at birth. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> and um, so it was all kind of intertwined. So OCD was really the kind of the terrible. It was it was sort of the defining. It was the thing that led me to to the, to the booze and the drugs. But then of course it it made it worse because yeah. I would black out and then my brain would be like, "What if you did something terrible while you were in blackout?" Oh my God. And, yeah. and I remember I kind of coped. I don't know how I coped. I just co I coped with alcohol and drugs. Yeah. And then I I had my daughter, and all of this stuff was going on in the background of drinking. And then obviously my OCD was attached to her, and it was like. What if you've hurt her? What if you do something terrible to her? Yeah. And I was like, I can't, I can't do, I can't. And I knew OCD was a thing, but I'd never heard anyone really talk about it in a way other than, oh, yes, I'm a bit OCD. You should see yeah. my sock drawer. And Absolutely. I was like, yeah. I don't have a sock yeah. drawer. Like, I'm just like. My spices are labelled perfectly. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Fuck that. But yeah. also I was like, uh, my husband's always jokes. He's like, I wish you had, I wish you had the good type of OCD. Because I'm <laughs> such, I'm such, I'm like feral. Yeah, like, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. just clothes everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like nothing. Yeah. But because there is no good type of OCD. But anyway, so. So I'd only ever heard people talk about the OCD and I knew this other OCD existed, but I, and I, I just remember sitting down and using my column and going, I've got to write about this. Yeah. And I wrote about this type of OCD and I was like, if I write about this, then it's out there. And either 
the police will come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> in which case, I, you know, it's fine, or they won't, and I'll realize that I'm not mad, or I am, I am mad, and that's okay. But I'm not bad, and it was yeah. like me putting out a little thing saying, "Please, if you also have this type of OCD, come to me." You know, yeah. like a little beacon, and that changed my life. That one column. Did you expect it to? No. Right. Thousands of people responded. Like it blew wow. my mind. Wow. Telegraph readers, because you think, you know, but they, you know, there was like eighty-year-old women going, "Oh my god, that's what I've had since I was a child, and I've oh, never yeah. known." You know, yeah. and it completely changed my life. Really, just talking about the OCD openly, and then I wrote a book about the OCD called Mad Girl, yeah. which was, and it, you know, it brought in all the other things that had come with it, like eating disorders and stuff like that. And it was obvious I was a party girl, but I. I genuinely, you know, I hadn't sort of made the connection. And then I think the more that I did that mental health work, and I set up this thing called Mental Health Mates, which is like yeah. a peer support group. Yeah. For people can, so this is me meeting up and, and walking together, Walking right? and talking this without a fear of judgment. fantastic idea. But it's kind of simple. And I, you know, it's all over. It's only simple because you did it. Well, like, I mean. It's, 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 it's such a brilliant idea. I don't do, you know, like yeah. it's totally the volunteers are the ones who make it happen mm. now. It's amazing. Do go, do go and uh, go and uh, follow mental health mates on Instagram or yeah. look us up on the on the internet and see if there's a walk near you. And if mm. there's not, you can start one. But anyway, yeah. I got immersed in this world, and as I got immersed in this world, it became really clear to me that that was another thing. Like mm. it was all. I was like, I do not drink normally. This yeah. is not normal what I'm doing. Yeah. And it was like the more that people started to open up to me and tell me their stuff and the more sort of high profile it became, you know, because spring 2017, like my career was as rocking as it's, you know, yeah. could ever been. Like, you know, I interviewed Prince Harry about his mental health. Yeah. I ran a marathon. I had like a number one book and it was like, oh, this girl's met. And, and deep down I was like, I'm dying like yeah. I am an alcoholic and I and I was like if I don't if I don't do something about this I'm gonna fuck everything up yeah. like I'm gonna fucking like detonate my mm. life I kind of sometimes believe that all of those things happened to take me to yeah. and it was like I knew I had to stop drinking I, I'd keep trying to stop and then sort of I, and every time I ended up picking back up again I knew that the thing that brought me in the next time would be worse it was like the lift you know the lift yeah. going down analogy like addiction is a lift going down you can get off at any floor you want to but if you get back on you will go lower absolutely yeah at every time and that's a great fucking analogy it's so good isn't it yeah. and I that was what I was stuck in and I chose to get off in August 2017 by that point, I'd been so open about my OCD that it was like, well, I have to just be honest about this. Yeah. And I remember keeping quiet about it. And then I remember I was lucky enough to go to rehab. And I remember about about a month or two in going, which now seems bonkers thinking about yeah. it. I was like, I'm an alcoholic publicly. Yeah. But also it was like, if I do that, I can't ever have a drink again. Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> People would be like, you can't do that, Bryony, because if you relapse, you're like... You know, the shame will be unbearable. The shame will be unbearable, and you will make twelve-step programs look bad, and all of that. And I was oh like, God. I was like, hell. well, if I relapse, that's life. But I yeah. knew, I knew, because I'm an addict. I deep down, I'm not fucking relapsing because yeah. my pride was too like, yeah, yeah. You know, my pride yeah, got me sober. Exactly, yeah. You know, we talk about these things in recovery yeah. as sort of like character defects or whatever, but yeah. actually, that was what I needed at the time. Yeah. And sometimes it was the only thing in the early days that stopped me picking up a drink yeah. and going, fuck this. I'm like, Absolutely. no, you can't. You'd look like a fucking tit. Yeah, too right. Or even, yeah, yeah. You know, so 
I was like, I've just got to start talking about this openly and how fucking awful it is. But also because I'd gone into recovery and I remember on my first day in rehab, I met this woman. I thought I was like the worst mum in the world and I was the only person behaving in the way I did. And I remember going to recovery and meeting this woman <laughs> yeah. who she, we had the same sobriety date. She lived a mile away from me, kids the same age worked in the same industry and I was like oh my god you were there all along oh my god Holly yeah. who now works in she's an addiction counsellor incredible amazing it was such a relief yeah like sitting down and realising that I wasn't the only one that behaved like that yeah and I wasn't bad I was just an ill person who yeah. sometimes behaved badly because of that illness you know I remember someone saying shame dies when you expose it to the light and if I could like sum up my career or what like I try to do in my career in one phrase, it's that one. Shame yeah. dies when you expose it to the light because I was like, there are, I know there are women out there, mothers out there who are living like this in yeah. absolute shame and they don't need to. Like yeah. shame kept me so unwell and it kept, keeps you sick. And I was like, if I can use this platform I, I have and, you know, and I, I couldn't quite comprehend why I had it, but then that's for the good. So I just started talking about it. And people were like, yeah. you can't talk about being sober. You can't, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's not cool. It's not what we do. You know, yeah. it's it's anonymous. It's da 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 And yeah. I was just like, well, I'm going to talk about being sober. Yeah, so, it's exactly, it's exactly, you know, yeah. that's what I'm going to yeah. do. Like, no, yeah. one, no one owns me. You know, yeah. probably a bit like quite a lot of self-will in there or whatever. But I have to be careful with it because I, oh, we were talking about this earlier, I can take on other people's like, energy yeah. and carry it around for them and mm. be like oh you're feeling bad let me have this yeah. yeah so i have to be careful not to get like sucked down and think Absolutely. oh my god the world is so depressing all these people are so sad and yeah. what can we do about it but it's it's like an amazing it's so freeing right to be yeah. able to talk about this because who cares that the newspapers used to call you beer mat they got they can't do it no one can no, touch you exactly i'm not now you know and i think that's the thing isn't it you're so right like shame does die when you when you what, what did you say when you shine when you expose it when to you the light expose it to the light that's fucking brilliant you know because really once you own it you know the power is taken out of it like they yeah. say in recovery you know it's, it, it, it takes the power away yeah and there's nothing that people could say that i haven't already thought or yeah. done worse really yeah you know so it's um it's a really it's a really amazing thing and also what you're saying about there's these things like well it's anonymous you can't talk about it or this i think fuck rules man you know, yeah. like, like as soon as I'm, it's kind of a bit anti-establishment, but it's like, as soon as there's <laughs> rules, I'm like, fuck that, <laughs> you know. I Listen, I'm not going to get into the whole 12-step thing or recovery because I no. love I love it and yeah. it, it yeah, keeps yeah. me sober and all of that. But I also think that it's like we all have to come to these things in our own way and, and, yeah. I, and I try not to kind of be hectoring or like, I got sober this way yeah. and this is how you should get sober. Yeah. You know, I think there's quite a lot of that out there, especially on kind of like Instagram. And I mean, I, I'm finding more and more of it. Yeah. You know, and some of it is terrible advice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, well, maybe you should be listening to this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? And it's like, I think the, the people I know, like it's really interesting. But before I got, the, like the couple of years before I got sober, it was so weird. Like I really do. I'm sounding really hippie woo-woo now, but I really do believe the universe like gives you what you need. Yeah. Not men, not men maybe necessarily what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling <laughs> Stones said it great. Yeah. yeah. What you need. Yeah, yeah. And in the years before I got sober, I, sober people started appearing in my life. Like my 
best friend in when I had a baby who also had a baby at the same time um, who I met in a sort of antenatal thing. Yeah. Her husband was 10 years sober. And I remember we went on holiday and I was like, so you mean you used to drink? all the time and now you don't drink at all and he's like yeah. yeah Bryony yeah I'm an alcoholic I was like what well I like chugged yeah. back my bottles of rosé yeah yeah and then you know I met someone else who happened to be in recovery you yeah. know and I was like introducing these people were coming into my life but they never hectored me and they were never like you if you carry on drinking Bryony you're gonna die they were yeah. like hey dude yeah. If you lovingly, if you feel like this has become a problem, come and chat to me. I'm always here for you. Absolutely. Isn't that fucking amazing? That is yeah. like, oh. And the d- people that did sit me down and go, and you need to fucking watch out what you're doing, well, then using with me the next weekend, you know? <laughs> always, always, <laughs> yeah. always. The and hi, going, you know, you need to fucking sort yourself out. I'm like, fuck off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. this one woman who I just, I hold with such like love and gratitude who she took me to a 12 step meeting mm. and, um, and then I relapsed and then, and I, I tied from her in shame and I saw yeah. her recently and I was like, she was like, oh, you're just, it's so, you know, I never thought, oh, well, Bryony's relapsed. I just yeah. thought she gets it, she'll get it. And yeah. she's like, and here you are five years in and we're all, you know, and it's Isn't just, it's like, yeah. and hopefully yeah. I continue to yeah. keep it, you know, because yeah, it's man. it's a kind of a continuous thing. Yeah. Are there, are there certain things that you do daily? Is there any kind of like things that you hold really dear? Yeah. So exercise is really important. Yeah. Just getting outside, yeah. get, just like get the, as soon as I get up, it's like get the fuck up, get the like get some daylight in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is hard in the winter, admittedly. A- absolutely. But just... and when when's the fucking sun come up? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, I yeah, find yeah. that so confusing. You know, but yeah. get but get just get outside, breathe in some fresh air. Yeah. My brain doesn't want me up and out. My no. brain wants me in bed telling me I can't do anything and I'm a piece of shit. Absolutely. The world revolves around, which yeah. It's just not true. (laughs) So the more quickly that I can like prove that wrong, the better. So I have started recently, and this is this is a bit crazy because I'm like a size 18. I'm not like an athlete. (laughs) I've started doing CrossFit. Oh, have you really? Wow. And that to me has been like game changing in terms of my head because it's an amazing community. People are like, yeah. it's a cult, Bridie. It's yeah. a cult. And I'm like, well, I'm a Well, we're quite attracted to cults, so leave me alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It works for me. But um, it's a lovely community. It's yeah. really inclusive. Absolutely. And you can be in a class with someone who's like an Olympian. And then, there's, you know, like, it doesn't matter. They're like, they don't care. Like, yeah. you do you. I'll do me. We're all here. Yeah. But let's all and get I'll cheer this. you on at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So that has been, like, really good for me I just get up and I do some exercise so right. like this morning I went for a run with a mate yesterday morning I did some crazy CrossFit stuff and yeah. it's like but I felt amazing so that's really important to me also just on a more general level I need to be I, I can't get too down on myself because I kind of get it's like I guess anything that yeah. I, I try to keep the kind of negativity out so which is hard. <laughs> yeah, how do you do that? But like, I try, yeah. I do things like I try not to make, when I pick up my phone in the morning, I try to make sure the first thing I open is not some news site telling mm. me terrible things are happening. Yeah. I've like removed all social media from my home screen. Yeah. And I've got like affirmations. I've gone like really woo woo instead. Great. Brilliant. I love it. Oh, um, I feel like I was really negative about woo-woo. I'm so woo-woo. No, yeah, woo, I'm all yeah, yeah. for the woo-woo. I'm all for the woo-woo. But there are other things. Yeah. Okay, like I... 
I would love, like, I remember people would say to me when I was really like low or, um, like you know, or or in mental health crisis, essentially, be like, have you tried meditating? And I, yeah. I thought I'm gonna fucking throw something at you. Absolutely. Like yeah, yeah. it's like telling someone in a lead suit to go for a swim. It's just not helpful. <laughs> it's not helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I try and do a bit now, but yeah. if someone's listening and they're in crisis, like yeah. what I would say to them is just start with the basics. Mm. Like get up, go for a walk. You know, or even if, if you can't go for a walk because you're suffering from agoraphobia or something, just move around, do yeah. something, do something to change your energy. Absolutely. Like, don't drink shit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you can cut out alcohol, if you can't start thinking about why that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but just bring yeah. it above your conscious, you know, like bring Abs it above. Absolutely, you don't have yeah, yeah. to. You don't have to, you make don't have to wallow in it. You no, know, which, just which, go, mm, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and try, you know, it's like the basic stuff. It's boring, but it's true. Like, look after yeah. yourself. Yeah. Treat yourself like you're a little baby. Like, wake yeah. up and go, imagine you're a little baby that needs to be looked after. Yeah. I think that's really good advice because mm. um, someone told me that once in, in very early recovery. And they were like, mate, if I could have recorded what you just said and played <laughs> it back to you, you'd be disgusted at this person talking to you. I'd be like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. But I never thought of it like that. Like, um, and I, I suffer from that really, really badly sometimes. You know, I kind of, I have to do these certain things in the morning, which is, um, I have to be careful with that because my fucking morning routine can get a bit obsessive, obsessive addict, like, <laughs> you know. But I do certain things because otherwise, they say get up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, like I get up in someone else's fucking house. You know, like in the wrong yeah, side yeah, of the yeah. bed. You know, like it's just um, it's such a weird way to start my day. But if I do these certain things then my day goes better. Yeah. And, and if the first hour of my day goes better, the rest of my day seems to go better, you know, and kind of getting that stuff done very early on for me kind of seems to make a difference. I have never been into running. Yeah. But I know a lot of people in recovery who have found joy with running. Yeah. You know, what do you think it was about running? Well, it was something I could do. I didn't have to go to a CrossFit place yeah. or yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? be yeah. around other people. Which is people. daunting, you know, like going yeah. into, I remember when I'm, when I'm like the thought of ever going in a gym, I was like, mate, I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so yeah. I, you know, I remember the first run I went on, I was wearing <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at myself. I got on these like, um, com like leopard print converse. Like I didn't have any fucking trainers. Perfect running attire. I put on like yeah. a, one, one of my husband's like Star Wars t-shirts. And then I remember going out and being like, oh shit, I'm going to need water because if I don't have water, I'm obviously going to die. Absolutely. But yeah, then yeah. going back into the flat and being like, what? So I remember having to take out a, like one of my daughter's like Tommy t Tippy Sippy cups. Oh my God. <laughs> But I was like, I just need to get out and try this thing that people say yeah, is good for you. Yeah. That's how I did it. And then for me, it was like, you do couch to 5K and then yeah. you challenge yourself a bit. And exercise for me, and you touched on this when you spoke about what body camp did for you, yeah. was that it used to be when I was in my 20s, one of my teens, it was all about the punishment. It was like, what? it was about the losses. It was like, how can I make myself smaller? How can yeah. I be firm? How can I, you know, be, yeah. be a better version of me? But like, while being kind of punishing to myself. Now, for me, exercise is about the gains. Yeah. And it's about, like, how can I, you know, I don't, I don't do it to be the strongest, the fittest, the, yeah. the fastest, you know? Yeah. I do it, I'm like, how can I feel the happiest? That's Absolutely. for me. And so, what, what running did and signing up for that first marathon was, like, 
every week you follow that marathon plan. You just follow it. So A, it gives you structure, which is really fucking important. Absolutely. When you suffer from mental illness. And then every week I was like, fuck, I can do a little bit more than I thought I could last week. Yeah. And I remember at the beginning, someone said to me, oh, you just need to be able to run a 10K by Christmas. And I was like, are you fucking joking? 10K? Fuck off. I did that 10K and I thought I was Mo Farah. Absolutely. I was like, guys. And then um, I was like, I can't believe I did that. And then I remember thinking, oh, my God, I've got to do that four times more yeah. in a marathon it's 42k yeah, yeah. and then getting to the last long training run which is like 20 miles 22 miles 22 like 20 miles so you knew you had to do that so you did that and then i remember on the day thinking it's fine i've done that i just have to do 10 more k on top of it we are all capable of so much more than we believe we can yeah like and that's what the body camp gave me yeah. and we we at the body camp they do this thing called on the last day i don't know if they did this when you were there called the day david goggins challenge yeah and david goggins is this like i'm obsessed with david goggins crazy yeah. endurance athlete yeah. who's like just go and check him mm. out you'll you'll be like yeah. whoa this man is and yeah. he believes that we only op- operate at 40 percent of our ability or whatever yeah anyway and it's mental most of it and so they yeah. do this thing and it's like which who of you can stay in the longest and it's mental and i, I amazed myself because everyone was much kind of fitter and yeah. younger and thinner than me and i amazed myself by coming fourth out of 18 come on <laughs> and someone said to me you can tell that someone who's you've been through shit and you've yeah. done it and it's the grit and it's just like it just is like no i'm i'm capable of this i can yeah. do it i can do it i can yeah. do it and then you get to point like i don't want to do this anymore yeah. i'll let these people take that absolutely yeah <laughs> but I'm, um, I'm, I'm good i do think we're all capable of a lot more than we give ourselves credit for and i kind of feel like and definitely the earthquake that is happening in my life right now which is kind of, you know, five and a bit years into sobriety. And I think you have those moments, don't yeah. you? I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm told as you move through yeah. being sober, it's like I'm done with like making myself small or yeah. not allowing myself to be as dazzling and bright as I know I can be because I worry, I sometimes worry that it might upset other people or it yeah. might like it might annoy other people or it might dim other people's light or something. Do, yeah, do, do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, and I'm like, no, you're capable of yeah. so... We're all capable of so much yeah. and we're often operating at like half the dimmer. Do you know what I mean? Completely, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, let's all operate on full fucking beam. That's what we're here for. It always comes up kind of, does mental health illness cause addiction? Does mm. addiction cause mental health illness? I don't give a fuck. You know, it's all the same to me. Yeah. You know, it's all the fucking same. Addiction is totally part of mental health. Absolutely. It just it, it just baffles me that people have these conversations. But I think that battle that you can have with self-worth and kind of like, I always, always found it like um, there was like a battle in my head when I was in active addiction between complete self-hatred and ego. Mm. And they were kind of constantly battling and self-loving would always win. Now I kind of let the... The ego goes out of the way, but the pride is still there. Yeah. You know, which is a very weird thing to, to think about, you know, because they are different. You know, yeah, yeah. ego and pride are two different things. But I think you, you've shown it, it's perfectly fine to be proud of where you are, you know. And if you're struggling, there is so much out there that, that can help you. Mm. You know, I think we're struggling right now in the UK with 
with so many funding issues, it's yeah. beyond fucking belief. And, and you know, and so don't let that. I I would say don't let that deter you. Absolutely, because there is stuff out there. Yeah, and you know, you can self refer, for example, mm. on online and on the NHS for talking therapies and stuff. If you have a GP, do you yeah. know that? No. So if you live in England uh, and you Google IAPT, which is I A P T, rolls off the tongue, which I, I is IAPT, which stands for Improving Access to Psychological Therapies. Uh, and you have a GP, you can just search that in your area. And if you have a GP, you can just self-refer. So you don't even have to go into the GP and say, I'm feeling shit. Please, can I have some Oh, my help? God, that's incredible. Yeah. That's fucking brilliant. So there's loads of little like hacks and tips and things. Yeah. I, I did a book um, a couple of years ago called No Such Thing as Normal. I sound like I'm plugging and I, and I don't mean... I don't, fuck it. Fuck it. Plug I'm away, aware. babe. Plug away. But I, uh, it's, it's sort of like everything that I've learned about wellness from being... That I could only have learned from being ill, basically. Yeah. And at the centre of it, I... Because I was like, I hear so often about how shit services are in the UK yeah. and how terrible it is and how waiting lists are really long. And that's, it's really important that we keep banging that drum and making yeah, yeah. that and like putting pressure on people in positions of power to change that. Yeah. But if you're really unwell, it's not very helpful. Because it's like, why do I even bother? It's quite yeah. dispiriting, yeah. right? So I was like, right, how do we, how do people access help? Because it's so instinctive. If I broke my arm today, I would know, go to the, you know, go to A&E, get it in a cast, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But if you and I still get this if you're in crisis mental health crisis I had this uh, this year earlier this year and I thought I want to die I don't know what to do I don't know what to do yeah and so I spent a long time speaking this was for this book um speaking to like paramedics front people in frontline services people that work in um in the NHS you know how best to navigate the system and it's yeah. all there in the book wow <laughs> but, brilliant so but I but there are loads of things that you can you know that you can do to help and you know there's things like this pl amazing places like the Samaritans yeah. shout which is um a 24/7 crisis text line so you yeah. text so if you're scared to talk, you text, someone will text you back and you text shout to, I can't remember the number off the top of my head. I'll find it. I'll put it yeah, put it, put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. Um, so there's loads of stuff out there. And, yeah. and there's Mental Health Mates, which you can go and find out about on www.mentalhealthmates.co.uk. Fantastic. Um, Bryony, thank you so much. Thank you. It's thank been you. a joy. It's been so great. I'm so Loved grateful it. that we're both sober and yeah, here and that you're doing this. It's so important. Thanks so much. I've, I've, I've loved this. Thank you. I'm bothering you forever now. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yay! <laughs> New friendship. Here we go. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you. So there we have it. That was Bryony Gordon. I absolutely love her. I think she's such a kind of powerhouse of positive energy and she's not scared to be open and vulnerable. And I just think it's so important. What she's doing with Mental Health Mates is massive. If you want to find out more about Bryony or Mental Health Mates, you can find links in our program description. Also, if you've been affected by anything you've heard in today's episode, there are links to guidance, advice and organisations that can help you right there too. I'll be back next week where my guest will be, yes, the one and only Mr. DJ Fat Tony. And as you can expect, it's a lot. Hope to see you there.